because we want people to be able to hear the messages. Amen? We're trying to post some of them on our website. And that website, uh, you know, we want it to look and be professional so that when people visit the website, even if they're not going to come to church, they can hear a message that will be life-changing. Amen? We never know how many people's lives we're going to touch, even through messages. I know I've told you this before, and I want to tell you again that Martha and I were on the west side of the state one time. Uh, I was there performing a wedding. I was invited over there, and we were at a wedding at the reception. Very, very nice club. And we were standing in the line, and people were coming up and uh, talking to me and addressing me as Pastor Ron and telling me how, how they liked the ceremony and this and that and the other. And there was a gentleman in the back and, uh, of me, and I didn't recognize He said, are you Pastor Ron Harmon? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, Fr- from, uh, from Taylor? And I said, yes, that's me. He's, and uh, he, he lived on the west side of the state. He said, well, he, somebody mailed me one of your tapes. And he said, I, I had to come up here. He said, I, I thought I recognized your voice. And he said, I just wanted to tell you I got saved listening to that tape. Everybody say, God is good. Amen. So this, these are important things, and we want to do them as well as we can. Amen. Everything that we do for the Lord, we want to do well. Amen? I have a question for you today. How many of you came this morning to receive instruction? I also have another question for you today. How many of you believe in your heart that we are in the last days? Okay. I'm asking you all of this for a question for a reason because the question is this is that during these last days if we want to escape the wrath of God that is coming upon the world How many of you believe that we're going to have to do things God's way? Can I see your hands? Okay. I would like for you to turn with me today to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. We're going to read most of the first 24 verses. Before we do, once again, bow your heads with me. Father, I ask once again for your anointing. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to preach the word to your people. And Father, I pray that every person here and every person that will hear this by way of the internet or by way of the tapes or the uh, uh, CDs, Lord, I pray that, that it will make a difference in their life. And I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. How many here today are proud to be Americans? Can I see your hand? 
How many of you believe that America was a nation that was raised up by God for a particular purpose? If you don't believe that, I want to remind you that if it were not for America, the entire world by this time would be speaking German. America had to enter a war, World War I and World War II, on behalf of the rest of the world to do something that the rest of the world was not capable of doing, and that was defeating Germany. For those of you that, who are not in the know, I will tell you this, Germany is on the rise again. They were unified when the Berlin Wall fell. And the progress that they've made toward becoming the strongest nation in Europe is unprecedented anywhere else in the world. In fact, they have recently taken the, le taken the lead in the European Union. They are now calling the shots for most of Europe. And no, most of you know that the European common market has multiple nations in it now. How many are aware of that? In Scripture, we're told that there will be a ten-nation confederation that will be that is identified in the Bible as the revived Roman Empire that will rule, and the Antichrist will rule over in the last day. What has confused many, including myself, for some time is that there are way, way more than that in the European Union. There are more nations than that. But it was made abundantly clear to me this week that Scripture is true and that things are happening at a rapid pace. There is a plan that has just been introduced by Germany as the lead nation in the European Union now to consolidate all of the nations of the European Union into ten zones. Are you listening to me? And if you read, if, if you had read a part of what I've read this week and, and studied it at all, you will, uh, the reason for that is they want to be or become the leading economic power in the world. In other words, they want to take over. I'm here to tell you I believe they will do it. And for them to be able to do that, one thing has to happen. America has to fall. Now, I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that America had to fall, but I believe that we will fall now. I believe America is doomed as a nation. Pastor Ron, you shouldn't say that. I don't believe there is a more patriotic person in this congregation than myself. I also don't believe 
that uh, anybody loves this country any more than I do. But I believe that America has become God's disappointing vineyard as this passage of Scripture, as Israel was in the passage of Scripture that we're going to read. And as often is true in Scripture, we see a duplicate application. This applied to Israel at this time, and it applies to America today. So I, I, I prefaced the entire sermon with that five-minute monologue so that you would be able to understand why it's necessary to preach a message such as this. Is everybody listening now? Isaiah, the prophet of God, pronounced a series of woes that would soon come upon his own nation, the nation of Israel. First of all, I want you to understand and know that Isaiah was a true prophet of God. Isaiah won no popularity contest with his own people and his own nation by prophesying and preaching what God had told him to prophesy and preach. In fact, if you will go through Scripture, you will find that many of the men of God were mistreated for delivering messages of truth. Are you with me today? Read along with me. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a tower in the midst and also made a wine press in it so he expected it to bring forth good grapes but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall be come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, I cry for help. Woe to those who join house to house. They add field to field till there is no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. In my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, Truly, many houses shall be desolate, great and beautiful ones without inhabitants. For ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield one epoch. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until, uh, until night till wine inflames them. The harp and the strings, the tambourine and flute and wine are in their feast, but they do not regard the work of the Lord nor consider the operation of his hand. Therefore my people have gone into captivity or bondage because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished, their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he, sh 
He who is jubilant shall descend into it. People shall be brought down, each man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty one shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Then the lambs shall feed in their pasture, and in the waste places of the fat ones strangers shall eat. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as if it with a cart rope. That say, let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come, that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Woe are who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness. Everybody say amen to the reading of the word of the Lord. Now, how many of you know that that was God talking? What the prophet Isaiah had written down here was, uh, he, wrote, he, he wrote it down to the nation of Israel just as God gave it to him. You may wonder what woe means when you read it in Scripture. Woe defined is deep sorrow or grief or calamity. Now do you understand woe better? It would be God's righteous judgment for unrighteousness. That's why these woes were pronounced on Israel. I want to tell you today in this message, and I believe this strongly with all of my heart, that God's judgment or wrath is coming to America and it's coming soon. Why? Because we were God's vineyard. We were the nation of the last days that God founded to fulfill his purposes and we have turned from God as a nation. How many of you have seen the turmoil that has been on the news all week and the riots and things that are taking place in the Middle East? Egypt is ready to fall. It's going to be like a domino effect. And what's going to fulfill the void there will be Islamic radicals will come in and take over just as they did in Iran. I'm telling you what's in my spirit, and I believe that I've heard this from God. And when the Islamic radicals take over all of the Middle East, they, along with Russia, will start World War III. Who heard what I just said? What has alarmed me this week is that they have reported on the news that our nation is contemplating withdrawing our aid for Israel. In fact, there are many leading members of this administration that believes that we need to back out from our commitment to Israel and just let the Arabs do, or the, uh, the uh, Islamic 
radicals do what they want to do. First of all, the news media in this country, there has never been a bigger bunch of liars in the world than the news media. They are painting this as a democratic movement in the Middle East and that, it will be, that democracy will take over. That is a lie from the pits of hell. They said the same thing when Jimmy Carter was president and he withdrew support for the Shah and we see who took over there. And right now they're making haste to prepare nuclear weapons to give to Hezbollah and, and uh, Al-Qaeda and some of the other uh, uh, terrorist organizations. That's what Iran is doing right now. And we can't stop it. So understand and know it has nothing to do with democracy. It has everything to do with they want to destroy Israel and America. We are the two nations that are hated the most on planet Earth. Well, what about our allies, Pastor Ron? We have no true allies. If you don't believe me, look every time we take a significant vote in the United Nations, how many nations vote against us. And how often we have to use our veto power just to stop something from going into effect. In other words, we and Israel stand alone. Are you with me now? Is everybody hearing me, what I'm saying today? I believe this message is very important. There's an old saying, history repeats itself. And history is about to repeat itself because everything that God prophesied or that Isaiah prophesied happened to the nation of Israel. This scripture applies just as much to us today as it did thousands of years ago when Isaiah prophesied it. And I want you to hear me this morning as we look upon our society today in America, we see the sins blossoming that caused God's wrath that this prophet was writing about right here. The very same sins. and maybe even more grievous than they were then. I want to declare a a, a truth to you today. There are only two kingdoms that we can be a part of. We can be a part of the kingdom of light, which is God's kingdom, or we can be a part of the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan's kingdom, and that is the kingdom of lawlessness. That's what it's referred to in Scripture. Isaiah considered a large part of his ministry from God was to denounce the sins of the apostate nation that he lived in. And what I've noticed in the, right now is I begin to hear many of the true prophets of God today People like John Hagee and David Wilkerson and John Bevere, uh, they have begun to cry out against the sins of America. 
understand and know that they are concerned for this nation just as I am, and they are just as concerned for the church in America. I want you to know this. The, the transgressions of America and of the American church are many and they are great. How many heard what I just said? You might ask me, Pastor Ron, as a minister of the gospel, are we supposed to bother ourselves with topics like this? I've actually been asked that question. I want to ask you a question. If, the, if you're here today and you feel that way, if, if we are not supposed to bother ourselves with topics like this, why is one-third of the Bible about topics such as this? How many heard what I said? If God spent that much time in Scripture giving us warning, should we not heed His warning? And if God spent this much time in Scripture uh, giving word to His so-called ministers, are not His ministers supposed to preach what He wants them to preach? Amen? And that's regardless of whether that makes us likable or not, whether it makes us popular or not. Amen? So understand what I, I, I'm te telling you today. Amer our preachers are certainly supposed to preach what the Bible says. I'm here to tell you today that I believe God has, uh, has shown me that America is in the same condition that was written about here and that a warning is in order for us today. I'm responsible for this congregation. And I'm responsible to sound a warning when God gives me a warning. How many heard what I just said? You know? And failure to deliver that warning would fall upon me if I didn't do what I felt God has told me to do. Now it's not my job to make you comply with anything. It's my job to deliver the message. And it's your job on knees before God in prayer and supplication to find out how it applies to you in your life. Amen? In the beginning of this chapter, the nation was referred to as God's vineyard. Everybody say that with me. Say God's vineyard. Now, in the New Testament, we found out who the vine dresser was. His name was Jesus. Amen? And uh, he said, I am the vine dresser and you are the vines. In the Bible, a vineyard always represents the people of God. Amen? So understand and know that America was founded as a nation for the advancement of the kingdom of God as stated in the Mayflower Compact by the very first Europeans who came here to, to escape religious persecution in Europe. In fact, my relatives my, on my father's side immigrated from Germany first to England and then from England to the United States around 1700. 
And on my mother's side, the porters, they, they followed shortly thereafter. And they were, a lot of them were men and women of God that came here with the express purpose of honoring and worshiping God scripturally. Not the way some established uh, uh, government-sanctioned church told them that they would have to do it. How many are listening to me today? God said he placed his vineyard in a very fruitful area or hill. He said he fenced it in, and then he went through and he cleared all of the stones out of it, He then planted only the most choice of vines. He built a tower in the midst of it. He made a wine press in it. So clearly, God was expecting it to bring forth good fruit. Amen? What's that mean, Pastor Ron? Good fruit in the Bible when it refers to people means obedient, holy, and witnessing people who are standing up for God's truth. Regardless of what society is doing around them. But instead, what God received was wild fruit. Everybody say wild fruit. Wild fruit is good for nothing. That's exactly what it means. The question that needs to be answered is why did God's vineyard not bring forth the good fruit, but brought, it also brought, or it brought forth wild fruit? And the answer is given to us in this passage of Scripture. It says, because of the sins of the people. Amen? I read it to you, yet you heard it right from God's mouth Himself. They chose to walk or follow their own path instead of God's. They were full of bigotry, injustice, idolatry, and ungodliness. And God's word, he had a lot to say to these people. And we are supposed to study God's word and see what we as his people are to avoid. When God gives instruction like this in scripture, It is to be obeyed. Obedience, the Bible tells us, every single time is better than sacrifice. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means it's better better if we would obey in the beginning rather than be disobedient than have to sacrifice because of our disobedience. Okay. Failure to obey God always has consequences. Who would agree with that? Can I see your hand this morning? Here was God's judgment for the wildness of his people. 
Number one, are you ready? It's a sevenfold judgment. Number one, he was going to take away his hedge of protection. The hedge of protection around America has been taken away. If it had not been taken away, 9-11 could have never happened. Number two, the vineyard, he would allow the vineyard to be eaten up. America right now is bankrupt. In fact, the leading economist for Yale University has said that if America does not change course within the next 18 months, our nation will fall. How many of you knew that? He's one of the leading economists in the world. And he said the debt that we are, are, are taking on ourselves is unsustainable. They are talking about the dollar uh, failing and being replaced as the world currency. When the dollar fails and is replaced, the dollar will become worthless. It doesn't matter how much you have in the bank, it will become worthless. Just as it did in Germany that brought on the First and Second World Wars. Number three, the walls will be broken down. We can't protect our own borders. We've been so worried about the southern border for so long, we haven't done anything about it. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. We've just done token things to it. But this week we learned that the northern border is worse than the southern border. How many seen that in the news? Number four, he would allow it to be trodden upon. America is being trodden upon today. There is between 12 and 14 million illegal aliens in this country. And they are bankrupting every social system that we have. How many heard what I said? In fact, some of the states just said that the illegal alien children, children of illegal aliens that come to this country can go to their universities for free. And you and I have to pay for it. How many people in here have sent your kids to college or have had them go to college? How many of them got to go for free? Huh? Everybody say, this is ignorance gone to seed. We are being trodden upon. Number five. After trodden upon, it would be laid to waste. I'll tell you something else, a secret that, nope, that hasn't been reported very much. The farmlands in America, we used to be the breadbasket of the world. 
our farmland has become less and less and less productive. Only producing now maybe 50% per acre what it used to produce at one time. How many are listening to me? God said that happened, number six, because he would no longer prune it or cultivate it. America was God's breadbasket of the world as long as God cultivated it and pruned it, as long as we honored him as creator and left him in our society. But we have determined now that he is no longer welcome in society. Our president has declared that this nation is no longer a Christian nation. In other words, get out, God, we don't need you. God said that after he would no longer prune it or cultivate it, that briars and thorns would take over. Everybody say briars and thorns. We see one calamity after another happening now, today, all across America. What used to be productive is no longer productive. And then he said the last one is that he would command the clouds to no longer rain upon it. Are you listening? How many of you know that when there is no rain and all of these conditions are prevalent, that famine follows shortly afterwards? The most abundant nation on planet our earth is soon going to face food shortages. Food is already up. They're not reporting this, but food has already increased in the last two years in price more than 10%. And that's predicted to continue for the next several years. You go to the grocery store now and spend $200 on groceries for a week's worth of groceries. In the very near future, that will be $400. And if it continues, $800. How many has got that kind of money? I would say that it's time that America listened to the warnings of the preachers that are willing to preach what God is laying upon their heart. He is warning his church so that we can get ready. Are you with me today? The first judgment was for the sin of self-indulgence or covetousness. Verses 8, 9, and 10 told us that. How many believe that God has changed his mind about any of this? Can I see your hand if you believe God has changed his mind? 
They coveted, according to Scripture, more fields until they would own them all. And their desire was not to be known as men of God. Their desire was to become great in the earth. How many are listening? Let me define covetousness for you. It's enviously and culpably desiring of another's possessions or an extreme desire to acquire. In all honesty, there's no one in this congregation can say that that is not a sin that is prevalent in our society. And I find it ironic that this is the very first sin that God said started the downfall. It is ironic, especially in regard to the teachings of the past two decades in the American church. We have had prosperity teachers. Uh, we've got the king's clit or the, or the first class or the head and not the tail theology till it's came out our ears. Turn on the te uh, television and the Christian radio. Three-fourths of the messages you're going to hear is about prosperity. And about how much God's going to do for you if you'll just send Him another thousand dollars. Is everybody listening to me? Pastor Ron, are you upset? You bet I'm upset. There are two judgments listed for this particular sin. Are you listening? Many houses, even the great and beautiful ones, would become desolate There are homes all over the United States sitting empty. Million dollar homes. Two million dollar homes. They are desolate. And the latest report on the housing condition is that it's not going to get better. It may get worse. Right here in this city alone, there's over a thousand homes sitting empty right now. And by the way, I just found out this week that Taylor is broke. They've used all of the cash reserves that they had. They couldn't see the handwriting on the wall, but they continued to spend. And now we're broke. And we may very well have a $5 million shortfall in this small city that we live in next year unless they make massive cuts. How many of you believe they haven't made cuts already? A police department that used to be a police department of 105 to 110 is down to 80. They're now talking about downsizing it to 60. 
lots of luck when you call the police department for a police officer to come out. All across America, for the last two years, we've seen cops buying or dying everywhere. How many of you know that that's the truth? You want to know why that's true? Because every department in this country has downsized. And because the officers that work the streets don't have the backup that they used to have. And they're sent into situations by themselves sometimes that they used to send two officers to. And it's going to get worse. How many are listening to me? The next thing that they're going to downsize will be the fire department. And then public works. I haven't heard not one single politician talk about getting rid of the welfare. The people that are paying the bills are the ones that's going to suffer more. We've got more people on food stamps in the United States of America that have been added to the rolls in the last two years than ever in the history of mankind. And we cannot support it. We cannot sustain it. I think myself, I, I, I actually believe this. I know people think I'm correct. But I think all of this was done on purpose. I believe there's an agenda by some of the highest politicians in Washington to bring this country down. That's why our president goes all over the world apologizing for America and bowing to the king of Saudi Arabia and some of these other people. You know. Are you listening to me? He said they would come to lack both friends and hope. A recent psychological study said that American people, more American people now are hopeless than ever in the history of this country. They say it's even worse now than it was in the Great Depression. Are you listening to me? How many of you know that's a miserable condition? My hope is in God. I hope yours is too. And the second thing, uh, uh, judgment for this sin, it says there would be little yield for crops. I've already explained that to you. He said seed sown would produce only 10% of what was sown. The days of paying farmers to not farm their land in this country is soon coming to an end. Because every farmer will have to, have to farm every piece of land that they have just to feed their own families. And I'll tell you something else too. What this means here is that even in the church, our giving better, better be with the right motivation. You want to return on seed sown, you better do it with the right heart. And you better do it in the right proportion, the way that God said. I don't know where tithers, uh, non-tithers are going to be 
in this turmoil that's coming. Pastor, you haven't taught on that in a while. I know I haven't. I try my best not to bring it up because I don't want people to say all I, want, all I preach about is money. But I know one thing that God said that if you were a tither, that he would never see you begging bread. There is no promise for the non-tither. Right now, the, the, even in evangelical, fundamental, and full gospel circles, only one in four, or no, one in five, one in five, 20%, one in five tithes church-wide. In other words, 20% of the people are carrying 100% of the load. I'll tell you who will be the first in line for a handout when these dire times come. It's not going to be the tithes payers because God's going to take care of them. It's going to be the people that never paid a dime. Or if they did, they threw a buck or two in an offering plate and they thought, oh, look at me. Anybody mad at me yet? The second judgment was for the sin of drunkenness. And there were four parts to this sin. One, they continually drank alcohol or took drugs till they became intoxicated or inflamed. And the Bible says they, they remained in a constant state of arousal. Turn on your TV every night. You'll hear about some bar fight somewhere where somebody was killed. Those of us that used to frequent those places can tell you all about it. They would party with music and wine and, and food and drugs, and they would follow the pattern of eat, drink, and be merry that was given to us in the parable of the rich fool. In Luke chapter 12, turn there with me very quickly. Beginning in verse 13, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What? shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, those, uh, then who will those things be which you have pro uh, provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
I heard Pastor Hagee preach a sermon one time and he said, there's people all across America, people, Christian people, driving to church in stolen cars, living in stolen homes. That sounds like an odd statement. But then he went on to explain, they stole it from God. They took the money that was rightly God's and heaped it on themselves. And that's where we're at today. People would rather, I'll tell you what, I'll just make a bold statement. I can take any person's checkbook and look through it, the ledger, for the last year, and I can tell you where their heart is. How many heard what I said? Or their credit card statement. Understand and know that this is serious business. What happened to this man? God said, you're a fool. And my abundance is withdrawn. Why? Because all he thought about was building bigger barns and heaping more on himself. He didn't think a thing about anybody else or about the Lord's work. Is everybody listening to me? How many, anybody mad at me yet? Number three, God spelled it out. He said, they have disregarded my work. And the word disregard there was interesting because if you look it up in the original, it meant that they did not treat the work of God with proper respect. It was an afterthought. How many of you know what I mean by that? God said in His Word over and over and over again, He would be first. And if He's not first, too bad, so sad for you. He went on to say that they would. this led to the people of God having no consideration for the things of God. In other words, even in their own lives, they took God for granted. I know you've never heard a message as this strong before, probably in your life. This is the truth. This is God's Word. There are people today taking God's love and God's grace and God's mercy for granted. God gave us His Word and His Spirit, but many, many, many Christians today lack knowledge on how they are supposed to behave. We've got professing Christians living together, unmarried. 
Well, they're in the minority, aren't they, Pastor Ron? I don't know if they are or not anymore. I had a young man call me a while back that came to this church. I thought him and his wife were married. They got a couple of kids. He asked me if I would marry them. I thought they were married. I didn't even return his call. If he wants to see me, he can set up an appointment and come and talk to me in person. I don't talk on the telephone. But I'll tell you this, he's not going to like what I have to say. We go into captivity to things that we should not be captive to. Why? Because we don't care enough to find out what God has to say about them. Right now, in the church, the divorce rate is higher than it is in the world. It's 50% in the world and 51% in the church. The first time in the history of the 2,000 year history of the church that that's happened. Not only do people not care enough to find out what God has to say, even when they know what He has said, they fail to obey it. Your pastor has been accused many times of preaching too hard. Well, I'm not coming here anymore if all you're going to do is yell at me. One man told me that. This passage of scripture in verse 14 says, Hell has been enlarged because people who should know better were disobedient and followed their own desires. The spirit of compromise has hit the church and it's hit it big time. The next judgment was for iniquities. Verses 18 and 19, it talked about the cart rope. And what that means is this, sin by the cartload. In other words, a Christian can be overcome by sin or temptation uh, once in a while, but they had just abandoned themselves to their own way. They had become so attached to their sin that they drug it with them everywhere they went. Sin that was once done in hiding is now done out in the open. Sinners become so bold that they actually dare God to make speed and hasten His work or judgment. That's what this said. I had a, a man tell me, I've heard you preach this for however long it was, eh? and everybody else, my whole life I've heard preachers preach like you preach. Where's it at? I'm here to tell you today that the Bible says that man is a fool. But this is the spirit of men and women who are totally abandoned to their evil. In our society today, we have radical feminists and secular humanists and, and uh, uh, radical homosexuals that are going to destroy every institution that God ever started. The Bible says their conscience is seared through the deceitfulness of sin to the point of no concern of what is right or wrong any longer. 
1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith and give heed to the deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons who speak lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. That is the Word of God. Many are calling for the end of the church and the family as God intended it. And these are the two institutions that God started Himself. National Organization for Women said they would see the end of both of them. Why? Larry King even asked the woman that said that, why? I'm not saying that Larry King is any big friend of the church, but she looked at him and said, because they're both male-dominated institutions. I've never seen more lack of respect for God or His representatives in my life than I see prevalent today. Number four. Apostasy. Everybody say apostasy. Verse 20 describes those who abandon their faith. This is a class of rebels who once knowing the truth have sent, went so far they now have no conscience. The first chapter of Romans deals with this class of people in verses 18 through 28. I don't have time to go there. I'm running out of time. But what it says there is that they no longer have the ability to recognize right from wrong. If it feels good, they do it. That's the motto of the world today. And anything that they do or feel like doing is right in their own sight. Who are you to tell me what's right or wrong? You mean, Pastor Ron, someone's actually said that to you? Yes! John chapter 3 verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved the darkness rather than the light because they were evil. People love darkness more than light. And that will be the basis for their judgment according to Scripture. We are supposed to follow the Bible and our obedience is not a recommendation, it is a command. Are you with me today? Pastor, this is a long message. This is an important message. And then finally it brings us to the, to the next judgment in verse 21. And out of all the sins, I believe this is probably the worst. People thinking of themselves as being something that they are not. They are wise in their own wisdom and not God's. The best Example of this is the way humanism has taken over in this country and even in the church. There's nothing black or white anymore. Everything is gray. And sadly, and I'll tell you this from experience, from 20 years in the ministry as a pastor, and 10 years before that in every office that you can think of up to a pastor, Christians have began to regard themselves as privileged characters simply because somewhere, someplace, at some time, 
they went forward and acknowledged Christ. Are you with me today? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2 says, If anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. In other words, you don't know anything of yourself. You better find out what I've said is what God is saying and do it. If we fail to put on humility and regard others with disrespect, we're walking in this sin as well. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let me tell you today, not a single one of us want what we deserve. Are you listening to me? We have to learn to be obedient to God and we have to learn to live with one another in respect. Somebody say amen. The final judgment in verses 22 and 23. They added to their, the other sins lack of justice. Everybody say lack of justice. They justified the wicked and condemned the righteous. In another passage of scripture it says wrong will be called right and right will be called wrong. And that's the society that we live in today. And for a price, their integrity could be bought. They weren't only drunk on wine, they were also drunk on the foolish notion of their own self-importance. Our courts today, and I know this from first-hand experience, are no longer concerned with right or wrong. They are concerned with rules of procedure. They are concerned with hypothetical questions of constitutional rights and stuff like that. And most of the time, their conclusion is, the sinner is not the one that fought, society is. Hogwash. Let me tell you this. No Christian should buy into that type of mentality. We are responsible for ourselves. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5 goes on over into the next chapter. Uh, Isaiah then said, Woe is me, for I am unclean, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. What was he saying? He was pronouncing a woe on himself as the representative of a wayward nation full of people with unclean natures. We are lost and undone and unclean without God, people. That's it. Would you stand your feet today?